All right. Hey, we are finishing our series that we're calling I Believe in Miracles, and we've been going through all kinds of different things. Every time we've covered 1 Corinthians 1, 22 through 24, and I just want to say that some people are looking for miraculous signs. Other people want to understand, but we need to know Christ crucified, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So we need to share the heart of God. Then we can grab hold of the the miraculous and we can grab hold of the intellectual and not go off the rails with that. So let's keep our hearts in line with the love of God for this world. Last time we talked about the still small voice of God, Elijah and the gentle whisper. And today, as we finish up this series, I want to talk about fighting for your miracle, how to grab hold of your miracle, how to continue the fight to grab your miracle. So you ever feel like everyone else gets a miracle, but the goodness and the promises of God are just not for you? You ever feel like that? Like you hear all these testimonies and all these wonderful things, and then in your life, it just doesn't work out that way. I think that's why... The story of the Canaanite woman in Matthew chapter 15 might be in there. Let's read that very interesting story, you know, a little bit surprising, but definitely online of how to fight for your miracles. So here we go. Let's read Matthew 15, 21 through 28. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Wow. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted, and her daughter was healed at that moment. So what just happened here? A Canaanite woman approaches Jesus for a miracle. Her daughter is demon-possessed, suffering terribly, and She's a Canaanite woman. What is a Canaanite woman? Well, you remember when the nation of Israel was set free from Egypt and brought into the promised land. The promised land was Canaan and the people that were then displaced were the Canaanites. And so this is a Canaanite woman. She's one of the people that were uh, inhabiting the promised land that Israel had to fight, you know, fight the giants, fight these battles. She is a descendant of the people from that time. And so definitely not in the chosen people, you know, nation of Israel group outside of that group. And so she is approaching Jesus for a miracle but she is not part of the nation of Israel. She's, she's on the outside. And of course, this timing is quite amazing because we're going from the Old Testament for, you know, God has the chosen people, the nation of Israel, into the new covenant where now the, the good things of God are for all nations and everyone is brought in. And this is a little bit of a foreshadowing of that. Even a Canaanite woman can receive of the good things of God. But 
Jesus does not respond quickly to her at all. The first thing he does is ignore her. And then his disciples are like, yeah, you know, get rid of her, get rid of her. And then he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. (laughs) Not so subtly saying, so not to you. (laughs) I'm not here for you. Not subtle at all. The woman kept at it. Jesus says it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Like now that's, that's insulting. You're just a dog. You shouldn't even get anything good from God. Like Jesus said that that's harsh, man. What is going on here? But she continues. She's like, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus is like, man, (laughs) you're getting your miracle. Yeah. You have great faith. So she fought. Whatever you understand about this, one thing's for sure. This woman fought for her miracle and she got it. She fought for her miracle. She kept going and she got it. So we want to talk about fighting for your miracle because we want to grab hold of the good things of God. Now, I feel like I've gotten more than my share of miracles in my life. Uh, There's lots of things that God has done for me. You know, I've prayed for healing for people and seen it happen couple examples I just want to give quick. When I was a brand new pastor, I mean like this might've been my second or third week. I'm, I'm an interim pastor at a church with eight people. Back then we just did testimonies and prayer requests to the whole congregation. Hey, who's, who's got a prayer request? Uh, who wants to talk about what God's doing for them in their lives? You know, what's Jesus done for you this week? And that sort of thing. And just encourage each other. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just brand, brand new, you know, and guy raises his hand and he says, you know, I've had uh, oral cancer and I was in remission. Now all the sores are back. I'm going to the doctor tomorrow and I'm scared. You know, that wasn't after service. It was in the middle of the service. So we just kind of prayed from the front uh, for all the different prayer requests that came up. And I prayed for that individual. And, you know, and then uh, when it was done, he just was beaming. I'm like, dude, you know, ah, I can tell something happened. What's going on? He said, it's going to be okay. The Holy Spirit touched me. I know it's going to be fine. He said, everything's, my mouth is the same. I said, go to the doctor and tell us what they say. (laughs) He went to the doctor with still all the sores in his mouth, just like the last time. The doctor did biopsies and checked it all out and said, you know what? There's no cancer here. And then those sores just slowly healed over the next couple weeks. And he was fine. Hallelujah for that. That's fantastic. One time, just not too long ago, but pre-COVID, we were having prayer up in the front. Somebody came up with back pain, couldn't bend over. So I got to pray for him and then boom, immediately able to touch his toes. Just woof, you know, that stuff is fun. I've been able to see these things. I've received visions and direction from God. I've personally been healed. Uh, Carpal tunnel in this hand, this must have been 15 plus years ago, at least. Healed of carpal tunnel, never come back. Like that's fantastic. There's the Holy Spirit baptism that I've talked about, all kinds of things that I have just seen God do amazing things. It's been an incredible blessing to be part of that, but I've had my share of disappointments as well. I've prayed for people and they died. I've asked for direction and not gotten it. I've prayed amiss. I haven't recently talked about these things, but I just want to do this quick. When I was a new believer, you know, I didn't know where the boundaries were. And so I just prayed for anything, you know, and I prayed and believed God to not need to sleep. 
You know, like there's all these things I need to do, Lord, and I just don't see a reason why I should have to sleep. So I'm going to just believe you to not need to sleep. So I went about living my life without sleeping and uh, it didn't go so great. It went well for a while, <laughs> you know, and then I actually fell asleep standing up talking to someone and that was not so good. So that's praying amiss, kind of go in the wrong direction. One time I asked if you're going to use me in ministry, then your hand of power needs to be on me. And so I want you to prove it. And so I won't step out in any kind of ministry way until I can walk on water. Nobody has to see it. I just need that from you. And so I I was like, okay, God, you got to show me. And uh, I actually tried that and there was absolutely no resistance whatsoever. You know, it wasn't (laughs) wasn't even like a little bit of resistance. And then immediately I just got this feeling of I was kind of embarrassed that I even thought that. It was like putting God to the test and completely unnecessary. So I just quit believing for that because it didn't make sense. And then I had one time where I asked God for direction on something that I already had direction on. And that was the sternest rebuke I've ever gotten from God in the spirit. Just, you know, that still small voice we talked about last time was kind of a, a loud, angry voice that time, you know, like, you know, you already know what you're supposed to do. So quit pretending and don't play with me was kind of the the thing there. So I've had wonderful, positive things happen. And I've also had my share of disappointments and missteps as well. So this is something that we all deal with. How do we, how do we fight for our miracle? How do we believe God without missteps? And what happens when we get disappointed? And how do we manage all of this? So that's what I want to talk about. How do we fight for our miracle? So I want to start with a basic principle, and then we'll look at some specifics. So the basic principle is this. You need to align your spirit and your thoughts, your understanding, and your emotions with God. The first thing you need to do is align your spirit with God, align your understanding with God, and align your emotions with God. If you can get aligned with God in these ways, then you're going to be able to grab hold of the miraculous more effectively. I want to go to the Gospel of John chapter 15, verses 5 through 8. And this is just an amazing section of scripture that I think has a phrase in it that we can take wrong if we don't read the rest of it. So here we go. Matthew 15, five through eight, very famous section of scripture. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So in there, it says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Wouldn't that be great? You know, we got Jesus as our genie in a bottle and we can ask whatever we wish and it'll be done like fantastic. But there's so much more to that section of scripture that we need to grab hold of because if you miss the first part of verse seven, but you only grab hold of the second part, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you, then you're not understanding that you have to align your heart with God. You have to align your spirit, your understanding, and your emotions with God. 
It says, verse seven again, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. So if you're abiding in the vine, connected with Jesus and his truth resides inside of you, you're aligned with God, then you can ask whatever you wish. Before that, you might ask for something that's inappropriate, that's selfish, whatever. You're going to ask wrong with wrong motives because your heart isn't aligned with God. So you want to submit your will to God and then what you wish will change. Ask whatever you wish. Instead of it being a selfish thing that you want, you're going to end up being at the place where you greatly desire the advancement of the kingdom of God. You greatly desire people to know the love Jesus has for them, the forgiveness and the freedom that is available. And you'll greatly desire to be able to be used for the cause of Christ. Your will will change. So when you align yourself, the things that you wish to have happen will be different. Sometimes we can be aligned with God in our understanding. Maybe our will or our spirit isn't quite aligned. And sometimes our emotions are are off, even though the other parts are there. And I want to talk about this just a little bit. If we emotionally need God to do certain things, then we're not in a great spot. If we're in a position where whatever happens is fine, emotionally we're secure in who we are in Christ and we don't need a specific thing to happen in order for us to emotionally be able to handle this life and the battle, fighting the good fight, whatever happens, if we can stay strong emotionally, that's going to be really important. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had this figured out back in Daniel chapter 3. So I want to go to Daniel chapter 3, read verses 13 through 18, because this is just awesome stuff. So let's pick it up. Verse 13, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. And what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. So how confident does this sound? These are people full of faith. You know, the king who can do anything he wants. You know, back then there was absolutely no checks and balances whatsoever from Nebuchadnezzar. He can do anything he wanted, and he's attacking these people and he's telling them all the horrible things that are going to happen to them. And they're like, Hey, you know what? No problem. We've got a God in heaven that's bigger than you. So we're not scared of you. He will deliver us. They are standing in faith. And verse 18 is the powerful part. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Our God is well able to deliver us. Throw us in the furnace. If you want, God will rescue us. But even if he doesn't, we don't care. We're not going to worship your gods. They were not emotionally needing God to rescue them. Their spirit, their will was aligned with God. Their understanding was aligned with God and their emotions were aligned with God. And so they were safe even if they got the disappointment. They understood what Philippians 4 
12 and 13 are talking about. So let's jump over to Philippians 4, 12 and 13. Again, more very famous verses says this. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So the Apostle Paul there is describing having learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. This is the process of aligning our emotions with God. So sometimes our spirit or our understanding are lined up with God, but our emotions are not. Fighting for your miracle can be emotionally devastating if you need a particular thing to happen. But if you release it to God and you just say, I'm going to believe God. My God is well able to deliver me from this trial, this difficulty. But even if he doesn't, it's not going to bother me. I'm not going to lose my faith in my God. I'm not going to worship other gods. I'm going to stand strong and faithful. When you can release that, then sometimes it opens the door. When I was pretty newly married, we had had one son. Jake was born. Jacob was born three years after we got married. And then and then my wife had two miscarriages, you know, one four months along and one was shorter. And this was very hard on her. Her whole life, she grew up wanting to be a mom and it was a it was like her life's purpose. And she started to get funny. You know, she started to really get super nervous and, and she kind of was in a constant state of panic because she needed to have more kids and she didn't know if it was possible. And she was really having a serious breakdown. I didn't really know how to help her. And then one day I came home from work and she had, she'd gone to a women's conference or something. Uh, she could tell you the story better than me. But all I know is I came home from work and she had a piece about her. She had released it. Like, well, if I have more kids, that would really be great. It would feed me. But if we're just going to have the one, I'm thankful and I'm okay. And that was great. And then uh, nine months later, our son Seth was born. So <laughs> she released it and uh, then was able to receive it. So some, that was her getting her emotions in line with the plan of God. And then that allowed her to be able to have our second son. And then we had our third son, Daniel, and really, really a great example of releasing something to God and then being able to receive it. Sometimes we have to release in order to open the door. So point number one, in order to fight for your miracle is align your spirit, your understanding, and your emotions with God. Now let's talk about a few specific things, you know, not a basic principle, but more of a specific idea. So some principles, some uh, ways of fighting for our miracle. So second thing, you got to have faith. <laughs> you got to have faith. Uh, that's what Jesus specifically said to the Canaanite woman. You have great faith. Back from Matthew 15, 28, the last verse we read about the Canaanite woman. Jesus is talking about her faith, her faith, his overcoming, accessing the power of God in that situation. And this language is all over the Bible that we have to have faith to receive the good things of God. And I want to go to James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, which is another fantastic and very straightforward example. 
So it says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. So you ever lack wisdom? I'm in line for that one. If you lack wisdom, what do we do? We, we see this big promise that we should ask God and he'll give generously to all without finding fault. That's fantastic. It continues though, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So you got to have faith. You got to trust God. You got to believe it. It's so important. We must believe, but we don't want to believe for the wrong things. Like I mentioned earlier, you don't, you don't want to believe to not have to sleep. There is no promise in the Bible that we won't need to sleep. We'll be restored. You know, we can walk and not faint, that sort of thing, run and not grow weary. But there's also the command to rest. So <laughs> guess what? Not wanting to sleep is really in disobedience to the teachings of the scripture. And so we need to have faith, but we need to have faith in the promises that God has in the Bible. Like verse five that we read, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. Meaning he's not going to embarrass you for not understanding what's going on, for not having the wisdom. He's just going to help you and it'll be given to you. So you can get wisdom from God, but you have to believe and not doubt. You have to trust God. You have to believe it's there and keep fighting for it. So you've got to have faith. Next lesson I want to talk about is you need to ask and then ask with right motives. So sometimes people need a miracle, but they don't ask God. They don't pray. They don't request. They don't go before the Lord and say, here is what I am asking of you. So they don't ask and then they can not ask with right motives. So we go to James again. James chapter four, verses one through three says this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You ask with wrong motives. So this is not aligning your will with the will of God. So you got to ask and you've got to ask with right motives. That's just like John 15, seven, you know, ask whatever you wish. Well, you have to submit your will to God and then what you wish will be different. And that can be something that God can grant to you. So you need to ask, don't just sit there silently in pain, hoping God is going to show up, but you never communicate with him. You have to pray. You have to ask. Go ahead and ask. Scriptures say you do not have because you do not ask. You need to be a person of prayer and seek the Lord for these things. You can't fight for your miracle without asking. The Canaanite woman asked and she got a no and she kept asking and she got insulted and she kept asking and she received. So ask and then make sure you're checking your heart. You're asking with right motives. You're not asking amiss. So ask with right motives. Something that Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher from years and years ago said, find God's will and pray for that. 
And I just think that is a powerful thing. It's all about aligning your heart and your understanding and your emotions with God, aligning your spirit, your will with God. Find God's will and pray for that. So ask and ask with right motives. If you wonder what God's will is, you need to search the scriptures. Is it God's will for you to have wisdom? Yes, it is. Because if anybody lacks wisdom, you can ask God and he will give generously to all without finding fault. So it's God's will for you to have wisdom, but you need to ask and you need to ask with the right motive. So don't ask for wisdom to be able to harm somebody. (laughs) Ask for wisdom to be able to understand how to bring the good things of God to everyone that you know, things like that. So you got to have faith. You got to ask and you got to ask with the right motives. And then the next one, Don't give up too soon. Don't give up too soon. This can be hard, but we must persevere. It can be hard if you've been praying for the same thing for three decades. It can be hard. Don't quit just before you get your miracle. You got to keep at it. You may need to release something to God, like I mentioned with my wife, Trinette, and getting pregnant and carrying a child to term. You may need to release something to God, but that's different from giving up. She didn't give up. She still hoped for and trusted God for, but she didn't need that emotionally. So don't give up, but you might need to release something to God. So don't give up too soon. So got to have faith, got to ask, ask with the right motives. Don't give up too soon. And now let's talk a little bit about hindrances to receiving your miracle, because sometimes we're the ones blocking the miracle. Now, a lot of times there's just other things going on that we don't understand. And so we can't just say that, you know, hey, if I pray this prayer, God has to do this. You don't have to. A lot of times there's other things going on, but some things are inside your control. And so you want to make sure you get those things right. You don't want to be the thing blocking the miracle. So let me just talk about a few things that can hinder you receiving your miracle. First one, undoing your prayers, speaking against or believing against what you just prayed for. So if you're praying for healing and then everything you say, everything you think is, I'm not going to get healed. You know, you pray, Lord, just heal me. Miraculous healing. I'd love to be healed by the end of this prayer. Amen. Well, I sure hope the doctors can take care of this because I'm in real trouble. I think I'm going to die. You know, if you just only believe while you're praying, but you don't believe the rest of the time, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. You don't want to speak against what you're praying. You don't want to believe against what you're praying. You want to have it be all together united in believing for your miracle. So don't go against it. Don't undo your prayer by speaking against or believing against what you just prayed for. You need to deal with any unforgiveness or a bad heart towards others while you're seeking God for a miracle. Couple scriptures, we got Mark 11:25 says, "And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins." When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. So if you're praying, is it important to offer forgiveness to other people? Absolutely. Sometimes unforgiveness in your heart can be the thing that blocks the miracle in your life. So you need to offer forgiveness. You need to break that foothold of the enemy in your heart. It's a whole nother topic, but that can be the hindrance. You need to offer that forgiveness. You need to align 
that part of your life with the plan of God that forgiveness is offered. And then 1 Peter 3.7 is one of my favorites. 1 Peter 3.7 really kind of helps out people in their understanding of how to participate in the things of God without causing problems for themselves. It says this, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So what might hinder your prayers? That would be you, you know, being stronger and bigger than your wife and then not treating her with proper respect. That will hinder your prayer. So if you're mean to people, if husbands are mean to their wives, that's going to hinder your prayers. That is going to be a serious problem. Unforgiveness or a bad heart towards other people are going to hinder your prayers. You don't want to be like that. You don't want to be somebody who uh, has a cruel heart towards their spouse and is expecting God for miracles. It's not going to work out. That's going to hinder your prayers. You don't want to be holding unforgiveness and grudges against people and expecting a miracle. That's just not how it works out. So that's another hindrance. Undoing your prayers, you know, speaking against, believing against what you just prayed for, unforgiveness or a bad heart towards others. And then the last kind of hindrance I want to mention is the miracle is meant to boost you to the next level. If you're not ready to live in the goodness of that miracle, you're not ready to receive the miracle. A couple of great examples would be a financial miracle or a relationship restored. If you're believing God to get your bills paid and you're behind on everything, and then uh, what you would do if you got a bunch of money would be that, you know, you would just spend it at the casino. Well, then God's not going to give you a bunch of money. You have to be ready to live inside of that blessing and submit your finances to God. You say, oh, I don't have enough time to serve the Lord. Well, what if you had more time? What would you do with it? If you're just going to spend it watching pornography, God's not going to give you more time. You've got to be ready to use that blessing to advance the kingdom of God for the good things of God in your life and for other people. The miracle is meant to boost you to the next level. If you're not ready to live in that next level, God's not going to give you the boost. So if you want the financial miracle, you want the relationship restored, you want to have more time, you want these different miracles, be ready to live in that miracle or you're not ready to receive that miracle because it's not going to be one of those things where you just perpetually get bailed out by God. He's expecting you to learn how to live in that blessing in a way that doesn't take it away. All right, got to land the plane. Of course, there's so much more that could be said. There's a million things to talk about on this topic. But I want to leave you with one last thing, and that is this, that Jesus still loves you and he is still trustworthy, even if you don't get your miracle. Many people are hurt or they feel rejected by God when they don't get their miracle. They feel like the Canaanite woman after being ignored, after being rejected, after being insulted, and they walk away and they're hurt. She stayed through and got her miracle. But that's just not how it works for everybody. Some people believe God and they don't get their miracle. And then they feel hurt or rejected by God. And that breaks my heart because it adds to your pain. Not only do you have the suffering of the situation, but you have that feeling of being let down by God. You have that feeling of maybe I got something wrong with me that God wouldn't answer my prayer. There's extra pain added. And that breaks my heart. And that's not what God wants for you. So I want to close with something we read not too long ago in church from uh, Hebrews chapter 11. 
And this is such an essential thing for us to grab hold of because there are two types of commendable faith here mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. There are those who get the great victory and we all cheer for that. We all hope for that. And there are those who stay faithful to the bitter end and they are also commended for their faith. So let's read through this Hebrews 11, 32 through 40. And I want, I want you to be set free if you've seen a great disappointment in your life or you're afraid to believe. I want this to set you free. It says this in verse 32, What more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, that only together with us would they be made perfect. Look at that verse 39. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. You may be living in the middle of commendable faith, where God is cheering for you and seeing your faithfulness in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of the promise, not being grabbed hold of, not receiving the promise. Now, I believe we need to not use this as an excuse (laughs) to not believe for the promise. We still need to believe for the promise. But I give you permission to be free to keep believing in the face of disappointment. That is commendable faith in the eyes of God. You've been disappointed. You you're praying for this and you don't see it, you can continue to believe and be free to believe even in the face of disappointment. This is what I want for you to not be hurt by walking by faith. Let's pray and believe God for something good. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace and mercy and thank you that you intervene in our lives. Thank you for the miracles. Thank you for the goodness. Thank you for your grace. And Father, in the midst of our disappointments, we don't always get everything that we want. We don't always see your response. But Lord, help us to be those of commendable faith who believe to the bitter end, who trust you to the bitter end, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who say, yeah, even if he doesn't rescue us, (laughs) we're going to stand in faith. Lord, help us to walk by faith, whatever comes. So bless us and encourage us in Jesus name. Amen.